Well, today is Mother's Day, and I felt it would be very appropriate uh, it, for me to invite the best mom I've ever known in my life, and I also call her the Grandma Whisperer, the love of my life. I'm going to ask her to help uh, me speak this message this morning, so would you welcome to our stage the First Lady of the Warehouse Church, my wife, Kim Trinkle. <laughs> She didn't know I was going to say it like that, but uh, uh, if you know me, I did offer some restraint. So anyway, I'm really glad to be able to team teach with my wife today. We're very, very blessed. Kim and I, on Friday, we'll be, we're having our 33rd uh, wedding anniversary together. We have four kids. We have four girls, uh, all adults. Um, Christina is 30, Katie is 28, Kelsey is 26, and our youngest daughter, Emily, is 20 years old, and uh, we're just... Very fortunate, very blessed by, by our family. And uh, we, you know, we have, uh, you know, one of the things that's so, that I feel our church is blessed with, and I'm not saying this in a, in a self-serving way. I, I promise you, I, I mean that with all my heart. But my, my wife is such a great mom and a great lady and an unbelievable grandmama. Uh, she called, her grandma name is Kiki. And the best part, of, one of the best parts about being a grandmom is it's the first time in your life that you get to pick your name. You know, honestly, it really is. But she's really, uh, it's just a wealth of knowledge and, and godliness. And uh, I would encourage you gals, get with my wife. She'll be in a kid. She is a keep it real Yankee of all Yankees. If you ever met her, you never have to worry about how she feels when you talk to her because she will directly tell you whether you like it or not. But it's usually good. It's usually good. So I'm, I'm very privileged to be standing here with my wife this morning. And I kind of wanted to start off, my, my message today is called, your mama taught you better than that. How many have ever heard somebody say that to you that's not your mom? Your mama taught you better than that when you did something kind of knuckleheadish. Anybody ever ha have that said to you? I sure did. I kind of had that uh, a, a reminder of something my mom said to me this week. Uh, I, was, I was online. I was buying flowers for uh, Kim's mom and for my mom uh, for Mother's Day. And, I, and I, I, was, I was thinking about some stuff in my mess. Like was, I was, in the middle of my message, I was thinking, Man, I got to get something for my mother-in-law, for my mom, for Mother's Day, or I'm kind of a hypocrite. That's so I was kind of having a dilemma right in the middle of my message. So I stopped what I was doing, went online, ordered some flowers for Kim's mom, ordered some flowers for my mom, and I started thinking about a little bit how my mom would always tell me, "Don't rush through things." My mom would say that to me. I'll slow down, think about what you're doing, and sure enough. That came back to bite me in the hind end, ordering flowers for my mother and my mother-in-law on Mother's Day because the flowers that I sent to my mother and my mother-in-law for Mother's Day was called the birthday bunch. Those are the flowers that I ordered. Now, fortunately for me, they lost my mom's card. So my, and it was kind of funny. My dad called me up and said, hey, did you get your mom flowers for Mother's Day? And I'm thinking, oh, man, they did. I said, yes, Dad, I Oh, she loves them. There was just no cards. So I was like, okay, that worked out good because they don't know it's a birthday bunch from that end. And Kim's mom's birthday's in a couple weeks. So it kind of all worked out that I rushed through it this time for the first time in my life. But uh, Kim, do you remember something your mom taught you that you kind of still remember today? 
I do, but not everybody's going to relate to this. Uh, when I was uh, growing up and I was in high school, my mom always used to tell me to take a quarter with me. Now, the younger kids aren't going to understand this, but we used to have these phone booths that if you got into trouble or you needed a ride or you got stuck somewhere, you took the quarter, you put it in, you called your parent because, you know, we didn't have cell phones, right? Uh, this also worked uh, again for me because one day on the way home from school, uh, Ed and I went to uh, school, high school together, and on uh, the way home from school, the, coming uh, out of my school, there was a big hill, and I ran out of gas on the hill. And uh, I luckily caught the light and coasted right into the gas station, and a quarter got me a half a gallon of gas and got me home. So, How, how many of you, now, all, all the old people in the room, how many have ever bought gas with the change that was between your seats and in oh. your ashtray and stuff? Mm -hmm. No doubt about that. I remember something my mom taught me. It was, it's kind of funny. Uh, not, maybe not the most spiritual thing, but it was just something I was thinking about this week. When I started driving, uh, my dad had, a, uh, had one of those conversion vans with the bed in the back that you could sleep and travel in. And the week I got my driver's license, my dad sold that conversion van. <laughs> Probably a wise move. And then the second thing, about a month after I got my driver's license, my mom bought, and I had a 69 a, a cougar that was just souped up, and it was unbelievable, and I paid $800 for it. But my mom went out and bought a uh, two-door sporty Toyota Celica that was manual transmission, which means stick, for those of you that don't know what that means. And my mom taught me and my two brothers and my sister and almost every one of our friends how to drive stick. Probably put 100,000 miles on that car, never had to replace the clutch. But I remember she did that so we could learn how to drive stick, and that was a big blessing for us because when we were missionaries, the only cars that you could buy in the Philippines at the time were all stick manual transmission. So I was really glad that my mom did that. Talk about super random. So anyway, uh, I'm going to ask Kim to read our key passage of Scripture that we're going to kind of work off of today. Proverbs 1, 7 through 9 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and an ornament about your neck. Amen. So here's the reality for all of us. Uh, we all have some form of dysfunction uh, in our lives and in our family. You may have a cousin, a sister, a mother, a mother-in-law uh, in your life, um, or you may even have mother issues, but all of us are born with a father issue. And that father issue we're talking about this morning is our Heavenly Father. So I want, we want to talk about this morning, just kind of go through my, some ideas uh, through this passage of Scripture of, of what God and the Scriptures intended for us to have as a family structure. Now, we live in a time where family is kind of this, you know, we all have an idea of what the family is supposed to be. The Bible talks about what the family is, but the world, you know, with the redefinition of a lot of things, there's like this weird definitions of all these things. But it's, it's not as complicated as we like to make it. Uh, you know, God's word is very, very clear. And when we follow God's word, God blesses us for following his word. But we're going to look at this morning through this passage in Proverbs 1, the family structure that God intended for us to have. And, and, and the first thing we're going to talk about is the origin of the family. Uh, very simply, the origin would be back at Genesis. Genesis 1.27 says that God created man in his own image. Uh, in the image of God, he created them male and female created he them. In Genesis 2.24, the next chapter, it talks about when a man and woman come together uh, to be married. Therefore, uh, a man will leave his mother and father and will cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. God's plan for man and woman 
was to be one. And we understand that this morning. But it was also, now I want you to think about this. When God created Adam, Adam was perfect. When God created Eve, Eve was perfect. And, and the plan was for Adam and Eve, perfect man and woman, to have a perfect family. But that's not reality, is it, today? Uh, the perfect family idea went out the window when God created Adam and Eve because Adam and Eve messed up. Right. And then uh, man messed up well, with God. So, so our reality is, if we, you know, if we understand this this morning, that, that we were all born, the Bible tells us this in the book of Romans, uh, because of one man, that's Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passes upon all men because all have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us in our life, every single one of us, we won't do a show of hands because this is a 100% participation statement. All of us are born with this condition called sin. It's just part of, our, it's part of what we're born with. And because of that sin in our life, we're born separated from God. So, you know, when you're watching TV and they try to show these picture-perfect families that have nothing wrong, you remember, for those of you that are maybe 40-ish and older, remember the show The Brady Bunch and how cutting-edge that was for a mom with three of her kids and a dad with three of his kids to come together and to be a family that's the way we all became the Brady Bunch, right? And the only way that that worked, you know the key to the Brady Bunch family was Alice. She just held that whole thing together. And if I was a woman, I would want Carol Brady's wife. What did she do? She didn't do anything. She drove kids back and forth to school in their humongous station wagon. I don't think she worked, but she had to have a dream life with her architect husband, Mike Brady. Anyway, so that's how the Bible family but TV tries to define what a perfect family is. And we see different family stuff on TV like great, great, godly, influential, high character families like the Kardashians, right? That you can learn a lot of family values, you know, uh, uh, after. So, so we, we try to come together and, and center our lives out of the word of God to learn these family values. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, no matter what, kind of negative external influences that are just combating our family values every single day. You know, the largest, biggest, most negative influence that all of us have in our lives is not external, it's internal. It's internal. So we learn about the origin of the family, what God intended for the family to look like. We understand that this morning. But then I want to kind of talk to you about, Kim and I are going to talk to you about the family as a school. You might not think we're going to go where we're going to go with this, but the family is a school. Our sending church had a Christian school here for over 40 years. Uh, education of your children is a very personal decision. And if you uh, are pregnant right now or you have little kids, you're going to want to talk about this and figure out what you're going to want to do with your kids as far as education goes. Um, uh, parents are the primary responsibility for education of your children. It's not the church. Uh, it's not, um, it's, it's, it's. It's not your school. It's not your Christian school. Uh, and this is not a homeschool push, by the way. Okay, so we're <laughs> yeah. going to talk about homeschool for a second. So I, can I, I want to tell my favorite homeschool joke. Is that okay? It's so lame. It's okay, so lame. everybody, every, I want everybody to put both hands up in the air. Put your hands up in the air like you're doing a touchdown kind of thing, right? And then clap your hands once. Okay, let's do it one more time. Clap your hands again. You just gave yourself a homeschool high five. You have to think about that for a second, Okay. I'm sorry, I had to do that. Uh, yeah, it's I told terrible. you, it was, know, it's, it's lame. It's, he loves it, but it's lame. Proverbs 1.9 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. 
We have a responsibility to teach our children how to live and how to function properly in the world while we're still preparing them for the next. See, here's the thing. You know, I mean, we talk about, you know, educate. You talk to parents about education. Everybody's got a different idea. Everybody has a different influence. And we try to influence people what we feel we're passionate about, right? And listen, if somebody's coming to you, parents that have older kids, and, and you influence them, that's fine. And listen, I'm not... Uh, we're not anti-Christian school, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not anti-public school. Uh, I, I, I have, I have a, something in my heart that believes that we have to be very careful not to remove all the Christian influence out of public school system. And, and we are very, very uh, engaged in Richardson West, which is a middle, junior high school, it's a middle school, and Gary goes over there on Thursdays, I think it's called Boys Club, right? And with a, four or five adults from our church, and they're influencing students with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And by the way, this is a little free plug. Our church is going to buy um, first response walkie-talkies for their middle school. And it's going to cost us about 1000 maybe $1,100, something like that. If you would be interested in participating with that and helping our church be a blessing. Now think about this. Our church is going to do something for a public school. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. That's because of Gary and Tara's influence. Yeah, give them a hand. <clears throat> That's because of, of our youth pastor and his wife and uh, different folks from our church, their influence. We're going to buy some, uh, right after uh, the last school shooting took place, uh, uh, Gary went up and talked to their principal and said, hey, we want to help. How can we help with this idea of first response? God forbid anything like that happened. How can we better prepare you? And they said, well, we need some more walkie-talkies. And we're going to buy them. And they're not like the Walmart kind that are $19 you get for your kids. It's a frequency that they already have. They already have some of them, but they just need some more. And we want to be able to participate in that. Uh, and, and we want our school, we want our church to be a blessing uh, to one of our neighboring public schools. So if you want to be a part of that, uh, Ginger Jesus, stand up so everybody know who you are. Turn around. Do a little princess wave, okay? Thank you very much. You can see Gary after church. And if you want to do something through that, you can give it through the church, and we'll make sure that gets through them. And there'll be pictures on Facebook and all kind of reporting that'll happen on that afterwards. It'll be really cool. But anyway, we're talking about this idea of this family structure idea, right? So this passage of scripture that we read out of the book of Proverbs, uh, one of the very first things that was talked about was the fear of the Lord. It's kind of our unifying theme. Give some mother instruction, some father instruction that we're going to talk about. But the primary instruction was in uh, Proverbs 1-7 where it said, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. That's the starting point of you and I acquiring and sharing and demonstrating knowledge. Because here's the thing, mom and dad, you know this. You can teach your kids. You teach your, you know what I'm relearning right now because we, we are part of our grandchildren's uh, lives? I'm relearning all of the Sesame Street songs. I like some of the Sesame Street songs. I really, they're, they're kind of, and, and I feel kind of cool-ish because I know some of them back from when I was a kid my kids were kids, and now that I have grandkids, and it's a little amazing, you know, it's, it's amazing how you've forgotten all that stuff, and then when you hear it, you can kind of just go, you know, la, 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 Elmo's world. Oh, I still remember that, you know, it's, it's really amazing. But here's the truth. We, we tell our kids a lot of stuff, right? Uh, we, we, we teach them how to eat. We teach them, you got to make your bed. You got to do this. You got and all these things that we verbalize to them. But mom and dad, you know this is true. We teach our, our, our children more by what we do than what we say. And, and we have to make sure that we're demonstrating 
an authentic relationship and an authentic fear of God. Listen, we don't want to scare our kids. you got to go to church because God's mad at you. Fear is not God being mad at you. Fear is honor and respect, and we give that to the one who is worthy, and that's our Father in heaven. So we understand this idea that the fear of the Lord, how are you teaching? Listen, going to church is part of that. But our Christian values, something, not that you're just speaking into your kids, right? But that you're living out in front of your kids every single day. The fear of the Lord is this unifying theme when it comes to raising our kids. And here's, here's, here's number four, and I'm going to have you read this one, hon. So what is a father's instruction and a mother's teaching? 2 Timothy 1.5 says, I am mindful of the sincere. We're on number four. That's my fault. The responsibilities of both mothers and fathers. But I was correct. I just want to. She was right. There's no doubt about that. (laughs) There's no doubt about that. Okay, I'll do it again. Start with number four. Number four. The responsibility of both fathers and mothers. Yep, just start there. Got it. Uh, Second Timothy one five says, "I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm sure that it is in you as well." 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 15 says, You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. This is your mother Eunice, and through her from your grandmother Lois. And from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, because your mother taught them to you, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in her. I, I think these verses demonstrate the importance of even what we had this morning with our uh, children dedication, right? Because, you know, if we understand there's, there's, there's no perfect people, if you're perfect, say amen. Good, very quiet. You passed the test. You're listening. If you're not perfect, say amen. Okay, that's a big, loud amen from all of us, right? We're not perfect people. All of us have dings and bruises, and we have pasts. We have stuff that we don't like to think about. It's just true about every single person in this room, right? And, and because that's true of us, there's no such thing as a perfect family. It would be great. Right? If, if kids got married at the right age, had kids at the right time, and, but, but that's just not life. Life is not that clean. When, when I look at our lives, our lives are kind of messy sometimes. Anybody else have a messy life a little bit? Right? Life, life, life is kind of messy. Uh, we were 18 when we got married. Uh, I was talking to some couples in our church this week who had some dinner with, and my buddy, when I was talking with him the other night, you know, when you get married when you're 18 years old, We didn't know anything about being married. We didn't know anything about being married. We knew, here's, we got married primarily because, excuse me, secondarily because we didn't want to live in our parents' house anymore, right? And and for us to go two separate apartments and, why don't we just get married? That was kind of our thought, like, yeah, why don't we get married? So we we didn't understand cable. We didn't understand electric bill. I thought you, we didn't understand more. We, We bought a house when we were 18 years old. We was like, wow, you were really responsible. Uh, not really. I had money in the bank because I worked, but I didn't know what else to do with it. Oh, let's put money on a down payment as a house, and we did that. And, and it was just funny because now when we look at 18-year-old Ed and Kim, we go, oh, my gosh, what were we thinking? How many of you that are old-ish, older, older than 18, would love to go back and talk to your 18-year-old self again? Well, I, I sure would. I would like to go back and talk to our, to, to, to our 20 Two, three age selves when we had, how old were we when we had Christina? 22. I'd like to go back and talk to those people. I'd like to talk to myself about five years ago, you know, just to, just to make sure 
that, 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 I'm, that I'm making the right decisions. But here's the thing. Just like our families that stood up before us this morning, and we mutually agreed, right, to help parents. Why? Because I'm going to tell you something about my kids. Kim and I, we needed help raising our kids. We needed other influence in our lives and other influences in our kids' lives. Now, this isn't what we talked about, but uh, talk about some people that were really, really good influences in our kids' lives outside of us. In particular, I think about the hers. Yeah. They uh, were the tell, children. Tell, tell them their name and who they oh, were. Oh, Robin Dot Her, and they were. Uh, um, Dot was the children's pastor, and Rob just loved kids. He said, you take my teenagers, I'll take your babies, because he didn't know what to do with teenagers, and we had babies. Yeah. And, um, and they were really influential because one time we forgot Katie at church, and it wasn't. Listen, <laughs> we had did. two cars. She had, uh, she was, uh, it was a Jeep Cherokee. I don't remember. It was an old beat-up Jeep Cherokee, and I was driving a 79, um, what El was Camino. that car? El Camino. An El Camino. Not, if I should, man, if I had that Camino today in Texas, I could get, uh, you know, I could get a king's ransom for it. But that we taught so many teenagers out of our, it was a V8. That thing was a gas guzzler. That El Camino, I ran out of gas on the way into school one day with my kids in the car with six inches of snow on the ground. And I was carrying, I, I carried my kids to the gas station. You remember no, that? No, he did. No, no, he I carried them. Katie. He made them walk. I carried Katie. They talk about it. Ask and I them. made Christina walk because she was old enough. She was four. And, um, hey, walk down a highway. I mean, it was a highway road. Nobody stopped and helped us. And, and man, I was scared. I had to, uh, some of you have done this. They didn't have a gas can. So I had to buy a gallon of milk, because they didn't sell water back then like they do now. Dump it out. Rinse it out with water. You know, when, when, when we're making $22,000 a year with three kids, I'm dumping that water on the, uh, that milk on the ground going, no. I wanted to go gulp, gulp, gulp and do that. So I dumped it out, filled it up with gas, walked back, put the gas inside the, the, the car, and, and I only had two more dollars after that. So I put two more dollars of gas afterwards, and I got back in the car, and I said, girls, can you believe that happened? And, and, and God is my witness. Christina said, ooh, I'm telling mom, dad. And she could not wait to tattletale on her daddy. But we had layers of people in our lives. We had, we had Robin dot her, your mom. Tell, tell them about your mom, how much you know, of an our first, We didn't realize what we were getting into in our first uh, year of ministry. And our pastor had us doing so much stuff um, that my mom ended up watching my kids for a total of six weeks that year by herself. Uh, because we had to go to camps, we went on a missions trip, we took seniors on their senior class trip, and I couldn't take my kids with me because they were babies. So my parents stepped in and took care of my kids. With and us, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but they had them for a, a long time. And Kim's mom, Kim's dad passed yeah. away about 15, 18 years ago, something like that. And But Kim's mom is still a huge, huge influence yeah. in our kids' life. Here, here's what, this is why I'm saying this to you. Don't feel bad that you need help. Mm. Listen, God did not intend for us to do life alone. And you're not a less than parent. You know, uh, when I was introducing my wife uh, to you this morning, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't say those things about her because I'm trying to overinflate her value. Those things are really true. But we needed this good of a parent to be married to a guy like me. Okay? <laughs> Thank you, Gary. So, uh, uh, because here's the truth. Um, as, as much as I love my wife and as, as, as happy as we are with our family and all that stuff, we just needed help. Uh, we, we've got a good family, 
But, man, if you know my girls and you know my grandkids, perfect is not part of our life. You know, it's just not. It, you know, and, and the perception, it, it's kind of funny to me because there is a perception of the pastor and his wife and his family. And when we hear that stuff sometimes, we kind of chuckle at that. Because because I'm going to tell you something that happened this morning that'll, that'll, that'll expose a little bit more of my non-perfectness. I'm sorry. When No, I'm not going to tell that. You, you're thinking something else. When Johnny was playing... <laughs> When Johnny was playing the drums this morning, did anybody see one of the sticks kind of go flying, right? And Jack did and came out and helped him. So he started playing with one arm. That was really cool. You know what I was thinking when Johnny was playing the drums with one arm? He could play for Def Leppard. <laughs> now, for those of you that know music, you know why that's funny, because the drummer from Def Leppard only has one arm. That's me. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm in like seven other places in my head because, but, but, Listen, you know, and I, I, we try, we try really, really hard when we are, when I, when I speak to you and, and share stuff out of God's word, I really want you to understand that there, there's not anybody in this room that's better than anybody else starting right here. Bumps and bruises, challenges, I'm faced just like you are every single day with the battle of good and evil. I face it with food. I face it with my walk with the Lord. I face it morally. Kim and I face it with our marriage. We face it with patience. We face it with kids. And I'm saying all that to tell you, don't beat yourself up because you need help. If anybody needs help this morning, say amen. Right? That's all of us. That's all of us. You know, when we were back in Pennsylvania a couple weeks ago, I had one of our families come up to us, and they were talking to us and said, um, you know, I said, are you, I said are you, you know, we haven't seen them in a while. I said, are you guys still faithful in church? And they're like, no. Our kids are getting older, and we're really not in church anymore, you know. And I said, well, you, you know, y'all need to get into church. It's really important. If Jesus is important, isn't important to you, they're not going to be important to your kids. And um, she said, well, you don't understand. She said, your life's perfect. And I said, you know, I haven't talked to you in a couple of years, but I don't know, I'm not sure. I said, if you're thinking my life is perfect because of my Facebook, I said, you're just getting the highlights. The, the human highlight reel of life, Facebook, yeah. where everybody smiles, everything's perfect. Mm -hmm. Your house is clean. Your food looks good. Your outfits are awesome. Yeah. Your shoes are perfect. Your kids do perfect recitals. Your hair looks amazing. And everything about your life is perfect. Don't you wish your life was really like Facebook? Yeah, yeah. Right? But that's not yeah. reality. No. You know, reality is it's hard. And, and the verses we read earlier demonstrate the importance of the connection. Listen, not just of the immediate family, Timothy's mother, Timothy's grandmother, but our church family. And, and we, we, have, we have, all of us together, a huge responsibility uh, to live these values out in our kids' lives. Uh, we're, we have really enjoyed watching our kids grow up, but now we get the privilege of watching our kids have kids and raise them. Yeah. But it even uh, puts more of a huge sense of responsibility on us uh, to demonstrate love to them, uh, to live a healthy marriage in front of them, to be moral and upright citizens and uh, to live responsible, uh, to love and to live out our walk with the Lord in front of them and every day. Yeah, because, you know, uh, life, life in front of your kids isn't about dressing up and coming to church and knowing the songs and singing amen, right? Life in front of your kids is when you drop something on the kitchen floor and try not to cuss, Right? Or when you have a car accident or a bill comes in that you didn't expect or somebody gets hurt or one of your family members gets sick, 
That's life. And the way that you react and act will, will speak into your children's lives your character and also your walk with the Lord. So we understand this morning the origin of the family, uh, the family as a school. We understand that the fear of the Lord is a unifying theme. And we also just talked about the responsibilities of both mothers and fathers. But here's, here's that la- there's a last very critical piece of a, a healthy family. The submissiveness of children. Yeah. Submissiveness of, now listen, we say the submissiveness submissiveness of kids, right? And we want our kids to submit. But there's a principle in the word of God. How do our kids learn to submit to us? By watching us submit ourselves to the Lord. Can I tell you something, mom and dad? It's a great practice to apologize to your kids when you're wrong instead of trying to cover it up. Because it shows them that you're real And it shows them that you have a healthy fear of a greater power, and that's in God our Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, We learn about that in Proverbs 1.8, it says, and I love this. This could be a whole sermon outline. It said, children, hear and don't forsake. Right? Sometimes, have you ever had this happen? Your mom or dad was talking to you, or maybe you as a parent were talking to your kids, and, and, and they were looking at you, And they were doing this, but that's as far as it went because they didn't do anything you told them to do, right? And and sometimes that happens to us as believers. Like, we'll hear things in church that that you'll agree with. We need to be good parents. Yeah, we do. We need to make right decisions morally. Yeah, that's right, man. we got to do that. We've got to be faithful in the Lord's house. We've got to tithe. We talk about all these Christian disciplines in our lives. And it hasn't happened to me yet. It might happen someday. It happened to one of my buddies one time where, where he was sharing a principle. And, and not like a really deep, deep, tough theological thought out of the Bible where it was just one of those things about being faithful to the Lord. And this lady stood up at a church service and went, I don't agree with that. Now, wouldn't that be fun to be in a church service where that happened? You call, you're not going to believe what happened in our church today. Somebody stood up and disagreed. And maybe that doesn't happen here because I'm such a big guy. I'm certainly not asking for it to happen, you know, knock on wood or whatever. But, but here's the truth. I've never had that happen. But, but it kind of does happen after church, doesn't it? We agree. Yeah, we need to do that. And that's something for other people to do. Right? Because I did my thing. I went to church. I listened. I agreed. I put 10 bucks in the offering plate. I did this, I did. And we think that, that, that Christianity is all about this list, like it's in, in Revelation chapter 3, when, 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 when Jesus said, you do this, 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 and you do it well. But you've forgotten something. You've forgotten that I love you and you love me, and you're supposed to do these things out of response towards your love towards me. And we, we think Christianity is about all this list and that God's always, always mad at us. Because here's the thing. I don't know if you know this. We said this earlier. You're not perfect. Neither am I. None of us are. But God's not surprised by that. And God's not in heaven every day going, oh, I'm so mad at her. I can't believe he said that. <clears throat> you know how God feels? Man, I hope that they'll get that right. Because I sure want to bless their lives. So it's that idea of hearing and not forsaking. Then in Exodus 20, verse 12, even in Ephesians uh, chapter 5 and 6, it, it talks about honoring, right, honoring your father and mother. It's the first commandment with promise, and the promise is your days will be long 
or longer upon the earth than maybe they could have originally been, however you want to apply that. But the fact of the matter is there's this idea of respect. I'm going to tell you something, and, and, and every adult in this room knows this is true. Respect and honor is not taught today like it was when we were kids. It's just not. It's not a value. People know their rights a lot faster and easier than they know their responsibilities. And moms and dads, we want to encourage you. Teach your kids. Listen, you don't teach your kids to honor you by telling them to say yes, sir, or no, sir. You teach your kids to honor you by them hearing you say yes, sir, or no, sir. You teach your kids to honor you because you honor other people. Dads in this room, you teach your kids how to honor people the way that you honor your wife. Moms, the same thing if you're married this morning. You know, we have, we have some wonderful, amazing, gladiator, warrior, princess, single moms that are in this room that are raising their kids kicking butt for the Lord. And we honor them this morning. We want to honor them right now. Let's give them a big hand. They're doing double duty, right? They're doing double duty. So, we, you know, we want to honor them and get behind them. But it's, it's what our kids, you need to respect authority. Well, that comes with a lot of value when they see you living it out in front of them, okay? So we got to honor our father and mother. Go ahead. So here's the blessing of a healthy family, a unit, or a structure. Number six, the promise of reward. The promise of reward. There, listen, when you obey God and honor God, God's going to bless you. And I'm just, I, 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 want, I want you to say this. How many of you this morning, and I want to hear a big, loud amen. How many of you this morning want God to bless your life? Man, I want God to bless our, I want God to bless our life, my kids' lives, my grandkids' lives. I want God to bless our church like crazy, so much so that when people talk about the warehouse church, they don't say Ed Trinkle, they don't say amazing team. You know what they say? That had to be God. That's exactly where we want that to be, even for our own family, right? So when you think about the promise of the reward, Ephesians six two says, when you honor your moms and dads, right? That is a command that has a promise of it with the long days on the earth. Proverbs 14, 26 and 27. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Proverbs 19, 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life. This is such a great verse. The fear of the Lord leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied. Think about that for a second. There's something to be said about a peaceful night's sleep because things are right in your life. I get up at night all the time. I do dishes. She loves it. She's got like a little cabana boy now. I do dishes. I do laundry. My, but you know what's awesome? When you, when you can sleep through the night because you ate right, right, that's a big deal, because you're, you know, you're doing all the physical stuff, but listen, it's even more than that. When you're doing the right thing spiritually, when you go to bed at night and you're, you're, you're honoring that person that God's blessed you with, when you go to bed at night, just pillow your head, take an inventory of your day and say, did I, did I do everything right today? <laughs> I could, could have done that better. Could and you make it right with the Lord and you sleep with peace. Man, there's a great, great value to sleeping in peace and being satisfied untouched by evil. So that reward, God has that reward for us when we submit to him, when we honor him, when we live our lives out in front of him. And moms, this is especially for you today. It's your day. 
We honor you. We love you. Uh, we couldn't do this without you. Uh, uh, one of the reasons I felt very convicted about asking my wife to, to speak with me this morning was because over 60% of the people that attend this church are women. Come on, ladies. Can I get a, all the single ladies? All the single ladies, right? She has a voice that, 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 that needs to be heard in our church, and that's a voice of value. So, Kimberly. Uh, so I want to say happy Mother's Days to all you moms. Uh, this is your crown of joy today. Do not despise your mother when she is old, Proverbs 23, 22 says. Let your father and your mother be glad. Let her rejoice who gave birth to you. Uh, do not forsake the teachings of your mother. It will be a wreath of grace to your head and a crown of joy upon hers. So thank you, moms, for keeping it all together for us. And also... You know, we have a lot of moms who aren't moms. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of moms. Go ahead. Okay. That love kids. That love kids. That may have never had kids. And moms that want to be moms. Amen. And we honor you today. For all the ladies in our church that pour into kids, that love kids, yes. that are an example to kids, that give other moms an attaboy when they need it. We honor you today. Listen, yeah. uh, I've never birthed a child. There's probably <laughs> 70 to 80 times a week that I say, God, thank you for making me a man. I'm telling you, I mean that with all my heart. I don't have the mom thing, right? But I'm sure thankful for great moms and great yes. ladies in my yes, life. We and we want to honor all of you today. Amen? Amen? All right, let's pray together.